Adult content intended for an adult audience only as this contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of this story is purely fiction and not intended for anything but the enjoyment of the listener. If you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out. The Broke Stem Rose by Melissa Baby Alfred Street had been narrowed to a single lane by piles of crusty, exhaust blackened snow. When Willie saw a plowed parking space in front of Charamitaro Produce, he pulled his Chevy Malibu into it, even though it meant he would have a longer walk in the bitter wind. He didn't trust that there would be a closer spot. He shut off the engine and slid the zipper of his coat all the way up to his chin. He pulled his wool-knit Detroit Lions hat down over his ears and tugged on his gloves. There was a brief moment, as he stepped out of the car, that the cold did not seem as bad as he feared. But by the time he had opened the trunk and fetched his reusable shopping bag, his cheeks and nose were already feeling its sting. The few places where the sidewalk had been shoveled were coated with ice, so he had to walk in the street. There wouldn't be much traffic. The cleared center of the street wasn't wide enough for the big trucks pulling into the market, and on a winter day in the middle of the week, few other vehicles would be using it. By the time he crossed Riopelli, his legs were burning, even though he wore long johns under his slacks. Either it was getting colder every year, or he was feeling it more as he aged. This getting old is some bullshit, he muttered to himself. Eastern markets stretched for blocks in every direction. It was a warren of warehouses and wholesale stores, some showing their ancient brickwork, others displaying brightly painted murals. Meat, produce, cheese, if you bought it in a grocery store or ate it in a restaurant anywhere in the state of Michigan, chances are, it passed through Eastern Market. There were wine shops and paper goods distributors, diners and food carts. There were even a few bars where the teamsters and warehouse workers could grab a beer and a shot after their shifts. The heart of the market was a row of large wholesale vendors' sheds. They were open on all sides in the summer, but now, the retractable steel walls had been lowered. Even in February, the market swarmed with shoppers on Fridays and Saturdays, when Willie usually came and the parking lots surrounding the vendors' sheds would be filled with cars. Today, barely a third of the spaces were filled. Willie ducked his head low, shielding his face from the snow blowing along the street. Damn, he thought, I could have parked right by the sheds. He approached Shed 5. The flower wholesalers would be inside, and he assumed they would be very busy. Except for Mother's Day, Valentine's was by far their best sales day. Willie walked around to the far side of the sheds. He rounded the corner thankful to be out of the wind. A row of green dumpsters stood along the back wall. He felt a moment of dismay when he saw a dozen people rooting through them. They were certainly looking for food, so they were not competing with him, but he feared they would damage merchandise he could sell. In the midst of the group he saw a stout black woman in a canary yellow coat that reached her ankles. Why, Mother Martha, how are you? he called. The woman turned and showed him a bright smile. Brother Willie, she said. It's been a minute since I've seen you. I am doing just fine. How are you, dear? Getting by, I suppose, Willie said with a shrug. Well, you are welcome to come on by the mission any time for a good hot meal. 
Now, mother, you know my wallet ain't hidden. I got a 40-year pension from working at the Chevy plant. There are plenty of others who need your help more than me. Well, I know you got plenty of bills, too, she said, putting her hand on his shoulder. And people don't only come to the mission for free food. Sharing a meal is about more than just eating. A young man approached them, toting a full produce box. Are these good? He asked Mother Martha. She looked in the box. It was filled with cabbages, their outer leaves brown and wilted. Why, yes, she told him. We'll have to cut those bad parts off, but there is plenty that's still good beneath. We can make soup and maybe even some coleslaw to go with the sandwiches for lunchtime. Good work, son. Now, go put that on the truck. Another mission volunteer came up with an armful of five-pound bags of potatoes. These smell sort of funky, he said. Half of them are likely still good, she told him. Put them on the truck. He started to walk away, but she asked him. Jamal, you see any flowers in any of them dumpsters? Flour? Like to make bread? No, sweetheart, flowers. Like I sure hope you are giving your girl tonight. Oh. Yes, ma'am, there was some flowers down there, he said, pointing to the end of the row. Second from the end, I think. Willie nodded his thanks to Martha and Jamal and went to the dumpster. Sure enough, there was a bundle of flowers, and in easy reach. They were mostly lilies and carnations. Ordinarily, he would have taken them all. If they didn't sell, he had nothing to lose. Tonight, though, all he wanted was roses. Nobody gave their lady lilies for Valentine's Day. He pushed the flowers aside and found a dozen or so roses beneath them. Yellow, mostly. Not as good as red, but they would do. They'd been rejected by the florists because their stems were too short or too curved, or the blossoms were blotchy or asymmetrical. But Willie could sell them. Mother Martha's crew finished their rummaging, closed up their truck and dispersed, some in cars, others on foot. Willie waved as the truck drove away. Bless her heart, Willie thought, even if folks got nobody, they got her. Alone now, he made his way along the row of dumpsters. There were far fewer roses than usual. That made sense. The vendors were likely being less picky than they normally were expecting such a large volume of sales. Willie had hoped that he would a good evening, with so many couples out celebrating, but he was beginning to worry that it might not even be worth going out on such a cold night if he didn't find more merchandise. He perked up at one of the last dumpsters he checked. There was a large bundle of roses right on top of the trash. Their stems were sticky, as if something had been spilled on them. He figured he could cut them off at about six inches. That was too short for the vendor who had discarded them but it would be just fine for him. He looked at the roses he had carefully placed in his bag. It was a smaller haul than usual. He had told Mother Martha that he had no trouble living off his UAW pension, but that wasn't entirely true. Valentine's Day was a bonus though. He would still be going out to pedal on the weekend. He had yet to check the vendor's stalls themselves. It was likely he would find at least some roses they had discarded but not yet taken to the dumpsters. He went into the shed. There was a heater above the door and he stood beneath it for a minute, his head tilted back to feel the hot air on his face. This late in the day, most of the produce vendors had sold their goods and closed up, but even from far down the aisle, he could see that the flower stalls were still doing business. He walked past Michigan Garden and Floral Supplies. Roy, the proprietor, was unfriendly, and acted as if Willie was up to no good, when all he was doing was gathering up product he had discarded. It didn't look like there was much but scraps and stems at his stall anyway. Holmes Plants and Flowers was still doing a brisk business. Several clients were waiting for their orders to be filled. 
Willie nodded to Mrs. Holmes, who waved and said, We just dumped the trash a while ago, but help yourself to whatever is in the bin. Willie thanked her and said, Looks like you had a busy day. We've been backed up for hours, she said. And to be honest with you, we've sold a lot of flowers we wouldn't have otherwise, just to keep up with demand. That explained why there were fewer flowers than usual in the dumpsters. Willie had been right about that. He looked into the trash bin. There were just a few roses there, and they were in pretty bad shape. He only managed to find two that were fit to sell. As he was tucking them into his bag, he heard someone calling to him. Willie! Willie Roses! He looked down the aisle. Ibrahim, from Midwest Floral, was gesturing to him. As Willie approached him, he threw his arms up in a welcoming gesture. Happy St. Valentine's Day, my friend, he said enthusiastically. The same to you, Willie replied. Ah, well, he is not my saint, Ibrahim said. But today, I honor him and his contribution to my purse. Good day, huh? Yes, but here. He turned and picked up a bundle from the counter, perhaps three dozen perfectly good long-stemmed roses. All my order are filled, you can have these. Willie smiled. You sure? You can still sell them tomorrow. No one will be buying roses tomorrow. Except maybe a few husbands who need to do penance for forgetting to buy them today. Take them. As Willie tucked the roses into his bag, Ibrahim said, Oh, and one more thing. This I must show you. Ibrahim reached under the counter. He lifted out a single rose and held it out toward Willie. The blossom was large, perfect in shape and symmetry. It was a deep crimson. Willie had the impression that if he stroked the petals, they would feel like plush velvet. That might be the most beautiful flower I ever saw, Willie said. Indeed, Ibrahim said, nodding in agreement. This is a rose that would win a prize. But look. He turned the rose in his hands. Several inches below the blossom, the stem had been snapped. Its lower end dangled by a few strands of fiber. Take it, Ibrahim said. But promise me you will give it to someone special. I will. Thank you. Willie took the rose. He started to put it into the bag, but hesitated. It might get damaged if it were shoved in with the other, lesser flowers. He thanked Ibrahim again. I'll see you on Friday, he told him. He held the rose close to his chest as he left the shed, sheltering it from the wind. He walked quickly back to his car. Cut roses could withstand cold temperatures for hours, he knew, but he was afraid the bitter wind would damage the precious blossom. Once he was in the car and had the heater running, he laid the special rose on the dashboard. He carefully slipped the rest of his inventory out of the bag and on to the passenger seat. He sorted through the flowers and removed a few that were too damaged to sell. He got a pair of shears from his glove box and trimmed away any damaged or sticky stems. When he finished, he stashed the discarded stems and leaves in a litter bag that dangled from the rear of the seat. There was a box of colored tissue paper on the back seat. He felt a twinge in his shoulder as he stretched to pick it up. This goddamn cold, he grumbled. He made quick work of wrapping the stem of each flower, only getting nipped by their thorns once or twice. He placed the bag on the floor, then took the rose with the broken stem from the dashboard and gazed at it. When he looked out the car windows, all he saw was gray sky and dirty snow and dull brown brick. The rose, by contrast, was a color so intense that he imagined it glowed that it gave off warmth. Reluctantly, he laid it down carefully on the passenger seat. Almost time for the supper rush to start, he thought, I ought to get a move on. The Malibu spun its tires a few times, but caught clear pavement and rolled forward. 
Willie rounded the block and stopped near Rocky's historic market. He dashed to the store, nearly slipping on the icy sidewalk. When he stepped through the door, he breathed deeply, taking in the rich aroma of roasted peanuts. Rocky's was filled with bins and dispensers of candy and nuts of every variety. Willie went straight to the bin of pistachios. He filled a small bag and took it to the counter. We don't usually see you on weekdays, the cashier said. Valentine's, Willie said. Yeah, I gave up on all that a long time ago, she muttered. Willie paid and left the store. He hopped into the car, sat for a moment, then took a single yellow rose from his bag. He went back into the store. The cashier was not behind the counter. Willie set the rose down next to the register and left. Back in the car, he poured the nuts into one of the cup holders in the console, taking care not to spill any, then stood the paper bag up on the passenger seat, next to the rose. He deftly cracked open the shell of a nut with his thumbnail, and with two quick flicks of his wrist popped the shell into the bag and the nut meat into his mouth. It was nearly dark when he drove out of Eastern Market. He made one more stop, at the Mac Avenue McDonald's for a large coffee, then headed downtown to make his rounds. He had decided his first stop would be Cliff Bells on Park Avenue. It was more upscale than the joints he usually worked. His thought was that the fancier places would be packed on Valentine's Day. He was pleased, but not surprised, when he had to park a good way down the block. It looked like it was as busy as he had hoped. He took off his lion's hat and tossed it onto the dashboard. Reaching around to the back seat he picked up his selling hat, a crimson fedora. It was a lucky charm of sorts, and even if it didn't really provide any good fortune, it was distinctive. That amounted to the same thing, the way he saw it. When folks saw that red hat, they knew Willie Roses was there with his flowers. As he approached the door, he remembered another Valentine's Day, many years before. He and Regina had dinner at Cliff's. It was called something else back then, he could not recall the name. It was pricey and they didn't generally go in for fancy food, but they were still young and set a lot of store in things like Valentine's Day. She looked so beautiful that night, in a fine red dress. It dipped low in the front, and while they waited for their food, she caught him looking at her cleavage. She had laughed and said, You're like a fella who already bought the car, but keeps going back to look at the ad. Nobody ever made him laugh like she did. Nobody could ever set him straight with a few sharp lashes of the tongue like her, either. Sometimes, she could do both at once. After dinner, they had gone to the Fox Theater to see Teddy Pendergrass. He was her favorite. That brother's voice was as smooth as glass. Some folks called him the Black Elvis, because he made the ladies swoon. That was before he had his accident. Before Regina had hers. A couple came around the corner. Young white kids. The boy had his arm around the girl, holding her close, either to shelter her from the cold, or because, like a lot of suburban kids, they were nervous downtown. As they moved toward the restaurant's door, Willie put on his friendliest smile. Time to do your thing, he told himself. Good evening, he said, and happy Valentine's Day. The boy mumbled an indistinct greeting in return. Willie held up a handful of roses. Sir, he said, I wonder if perhaps you might be interested in gifting your lovely date with a fine blossom. While it could not possibly compete with her charms, it would provide a splendid compliment to them. Teddy wasn't the only one with a smooth delivery. The boy glanced at his companion then asked, How much? I'd only ask you to pay what you think it is worth to please the lady. Willie told him. When the boy looked flustered, he added, A dollar a bloom will do. The boy dug in his coat pocket and held up a five dollar bill. Willie took it and gave him five roses in return. 
The boy handed the small bouquet to the girl, who smiled at Willie and thanked him. Willie wished them a pleasant evening as they went inside. A few minutes later, an older couple came out and the gentleman bought his lady a flower. It was looking like he had been wise to start his night at Cliff's. He saw a figure running toward him and stiffened, expecting trouble. As the man came closer, he saw him lift his wrist and look at his watch. Willie relaxed. Just a guy running late, not a mugger. The man slowed, but still moved quickly past Willie, showing no sign that he had seen him. He grabbed the restaurant's door handle, but stopped and looked back over his shoulder. Wait, he said breathlessly. Are you selling those roses? Yes, sir. The man dug in his pocket. Jesus Christ, man, you're saving my life. Give me a half dozen. Willie handed the roses to him. Will twenty bucks do it? It will do fine, sir. The man paid Willie. Great, he said. She's going to be pissed off that I'm late. Maybe this will cool her down. Good luck with that, Willie told him as he went inside. Willie pocketed the money, feeling good. But ten minutes passed, then fifteen, and he had sold no more flowers. He was figuring he would move on, or at least go to the car to warm up, when he heard a familiar voice behind him. Hello, Willie. He turned and saw another couple approaching the restaurant. The man was middle-aged. He was large and wore a camel hair coat that looked like it had cost as much as Willie's car. But it was the woman on his arm that had greeted him. She wore a short blue dress with a long black leather coat and knee-high black boots. Good evening, Miss Elizabeth, Willie said, grinning nervously. She smiled at him, and her eyes sparkled. He thought she was as pretty as any movie star. He remembered the first time he saw her. It was in front of the Alley Cat Saloon. She had come out of the bar alone, wearing a lacy white top and a pair of blue jeans so tight they might have been a second skin. She was holding a pink carnation, one that he had sold to a young man not fifteen minutes earlier. So you're the flower seller, she said. Yes, ma'am. Folks call me Willie Roses. I'm Elizabeth. My friends called me Liz. I think Miss Elizabeth suits you best. It's got more. He stumbled over his words. What did he want to say? Grace? Style? Class? They all fit, but none was really right. She gave no notice of his nervous display. Well, Willie, she said, a gentleman gave me this flower. I assume he bought it from you. It's quite a nice gesture, but it didn't achieve the result he hoped it might. So if you'd like to get a second sale out of it, please do. He couldn't remember what he had said in reply. Something foolish, no doubt. He took the flower back. Good night, Willie. He watched her walk down the street to her car. When she got in, he looked down at the carnation in his hands. That boy was the fool, he thought, trying to give her that flower. It wasn't good enough for the likes of her. He had seen her again, a week later, with a much older man, getting out of a BMW in front of the Motor City Casino. Then once again at the Alley Cat, drinking with that gay Puerto Rican fella that was always there. Every night he made his circuit he hoped to catch a glimpse of her, with her clear pale skin, her wide brown eyes, the dark hair that tumbled over her shoulders, and those legs, those long, graceful legs. He saw a lot of beautiful women coming and going from the night spots where he peddled his flowers. He was a man, of course he looked at them. He appreciated their good looks, but he had never felt that any of them could tempt him, except for Elizabeth. He imagined her milky flesh against his dark skin, pondered what she would taste like what sounds she would make in a moment of passion. Before long, he realized that she made the alley cat a regular stop, usually late at night, often just in time for last call. 
He also realized why she was out at night so often, with so many different men. He was not naive. Nor was he judgmental. Man or woman, folks did what they did to get by. The gentleman accompanying her into Cliff Bell seemed impatient, eager to escape the cold, even in his fancy coat. But she held back. I'd love it if you'd buy me some flowers. Elizabeth cooed at him. He tried to hide his scowl as he reached into his pants pocket and pulled out his wallet. How much are they? he asked. Elizabeth winked at Willie. Are you still running your fifty dollars a dozen special? Why, yes, ma'am, Willie said with a grin. The man handed Willie a fifty, not looking too pleased about it. Willie counted out twelve roses, the good ones Ibrahim had given him, and handed them to Elizabeth. They look a little shabby, her date muttered. Oh no, they are lovely, she said. Happy Valentine's Day, Willie. Willie stayed at Cliff Bell's for a few minutes after Elizabeth and her date went inside. The street was empty and quiet. It was time to move along to another spot. As he waited for the car to warm up, he ate a handful of pistachios and sipped his cold coffee. He realized that his plan was not really going to work. Elizabeth had single-handedly made coming to Cliffs a success, but most of his flowers were bought by single men, not by guys who were taking a lady out for the evening on Valentine's Day. They would likely have already thought to buy flowers. He considered calling it a night. He really didn't have anything to lose, after all this was a bonus night. He still had the weekend coming up. But that just wasn't his way. He thought of himself as the kind of man who got things done. If he set out to do a job, he was going to do it. He spent a half hour outside the Firebird and only sold eight roses. He did a bit better at Checker Bar, selling about a dozen. They were both regular spots for him, but he saw few of the regular customers that he sold to every weekend. Tonight, it was just a different crowd. On the way back to his car, he had an idea. The Pistons were playing in Denver. The game would probably go until midnight. There were several sports bars in the area. Bookies always seemed the busiest when there was a game on. He seldom sold there. One night, when he had tried, a couple of young women passed him by on their way out. One had said to her friend that she didn't like the place because it was a sausage party. It took him a while to realize what she meant but when it came to him, he understood exactly what she was talking about. There most likely wouldn't be a lot of ladies there, but the men wouldn't know that until they were inside, would they? He was right. A steady stream of customers, mostly small groups of young men, were coming and going from bookies when he arrived. There was a burly bouncer standing in the doorway, so he stayed a discreet distance down from the door. It never paid to get on bad terms with the clubs. While the spot wasn't ideal, It was between the bar and the city parking lot at the end of the block. As soon as he took his position, a trio of young white guys approached him. Evening, gentlemen, he called out in a cheerful voice. How are y'all this evening? One guy nodded to him, the others kept walking. Willie was unfazed. If I might suggest, gents, it is Valentine's Day and the ladies in the bar might appreciate a small token of appreciation. He held up a bouquet of roses. I have seen some very fine young women going in. I would imagine that, tonight of all nights, they would be touched by such a romantic gesture. The guy who had nodded turned and looked at the flowers. How much? he asked. Just one dollar each, Willie said. Dollar a flower. Sure, all right. He gave Willie a dollar and picked out a rose. His friends hesitated a moment, then they each bought one as well. Willie smiled and thanked them. As they walked away, a couple emerged from the bar, huddled close together against the cold night. Flowers for the lady? Willie asked when they drew near. Dollar a flower, 
They stopped, and the man looked at the woman. She smiled and he nodded to Willie. Half dozen? Willie asked. The woman whispered in the man's ear. A dozen, he said. Willie wished them a happy Valentine's. He was in his groove now. Over the next half hour he sold at least thirty roses. He might have stayed and sold the rest, but his face was numb from the cold, and the bouncer was starting to give him side eye. When he got in the car and put his bag down on the floor, his eye was drawn once more to the rose on the seat. He turned on the dome light, then lifted it gently and brought it close to his face. It gave off only a slight scent. He attributed that to the cold. Its beauty had not been diminished, but he felt a swell of melancholy at the knowledge that it would eventually. The good and the pure and the beautiful in the world didn't last, he thought, it has to be nurtured and cherished in the time it has. Maybe that made it even more beautiful. He laid the rose back down on the seat and put the car in gear. He was undecided about whether or not he should try another spot. What he was sure of was that he had built up an appetite while standing out in the cold for so long. Lafayette Coney Island was right down the street. He parked in front of the brightly lit restaurant. Lafayette, and its rival, American Coney Island, had stood side by side on Michigan Avenue for decades. When they were dating, he and Regina had often come down after a movie or a night of dancing, and they could never agree which of the two to patronize. Willie had always liked Lafayette, Regina preferred American. They bickered about it until finally reaching an agreement that they would alternate. Eventually, they both admitted that there wasn't much difference between them. Regina would have a conniption if she knew I was here now, he thought. She would tell him that he was just asking for heartburn, and she'd be right. He reached into his shirt pocket and took out a roll of tums. Better to build up your defenses in advance, he figured. He popped two of the chalky antacids in his mouth and chewed them as he got out of the car and went into the restaurant. He had to blink his eyes to adjust to the glaring fluorescent lights. Willie supposed that it made sense for a joint that did so much late-night business to make sure its customers were wide awake. He took a seat at the counter. The waitress poured him a cup of coffee and took his order for two chili dogs. While he waited for his food he looked around the dining room. Only about a quarter of the seats were taken. It was the usual late crowd, shift workers and street people. There were a couple of cops sitting by the window and a quartet of nurses wearing their coats over their scrubs. Toward the back of the room, two women sat, sipping coffee and staring into the distance. They wore big extensions, short skirts and too much makeup. Willie figured that they were either strippers or hookers. In either case, they looked like they were having a rough night. He saw a lot of women on the streets while making his rounds. Most of them looked hard and sad, and he couldn't see them as desirable. Then there were the women like Miss Elizabeth, who plied the same trade but had the looks or the smarts or the advantages of race or class that allowed them to seem to be something else altogether. Just like there were ordinary flowers, and there was that broke stem rose that Ibrahim had given him. The waitress brought his hot dogs, and as he ate them, he pondered what to do next. There were only about a dozen roses left in his bag. After his slow start, he had done well, and it was getting late. The sensible thing would be to call it a night. It might be nice to get a nightcap first, he thought. He decided to head to the Alley Cat Saloon. It was usually a good stop, but there wouldn't be much point in trying to sell there tonight. It was a friendly place, though, and it had the best jukebox in town. And she might be there, a voice in the back of his mind told him. He grinned. Don't go having silly thoughts, he told himself. He finished eating and paid the check. Damn, he thought as he stepped outside, it keeps getting colder. The car had just started warming up when he reached the corner and turned on Lanier Street toward the alley cat. 
There were at least a dozen people on the sidewalk, in front of that rock and roll club in the old grocery store. Willie didn't even know if the joint had a name. Someone at the cat had told him it wasn't a licensed club. When he had asked them why the police let it operate, they had just shrugged and said, It's Detroit, man. It looked like the show had just ended. Some of those folks might be headed to the saloon for after the show drinks, he thought. He was in luck. By the time he had parked the car, a few of them were coming down the block. He took a position in the saloon's doorway, but none of them turned in. They were all going to where they had parked their cars in the lot by the old First Detroit Bank building. Most of them ignored Willie as they passed by, but two men did stop and buy roses for their dates. The stream dwindled, but Willie waited a few more minutes. His face was burning from the cold. One more couple was heading toward him. As he awaited their approach, a car pulled up to the opposite curb. He lifted the last of his roses and started to give his pitch. Good evening, folks. The guy gave him a go-away wave. He dropped the remaining roses into the bag. He heard a car door open and looked across the street. He saw by the interior lights that it was Miss Elizabeth. As she stepped out, he caught a quick glimpse of her long legs, then averted his eyes. Hello again, Willie, she said as she crossed the street. Good evening, Miss Elizabeth. I imagine you've had a busy night. Done pretty well, he said, nodding. He started to ask her how her evening had been, but remembering how she earned her living, he caught himself. I thought I would have a drink before I went home, Elizabeth said. You must be freezing. Why don't you come on in and let me buy you a drink? He hesitated for a moment. He didn't care for the idea of a lady buying him a drink. But even as he reluctantly nodded his agreement to join her, he realized the real reason he was hesitant. It wasn't any lady extending the invitation. It was Miss Elizabeth. The idea of sitting and having a drink with her made him feel like an awkward schoolboy going on a date with the most popular girl in the class. About half the seats in the saloon were taken. Willie saw that one of the tall, round tables near the frosted window was empty. They moved to it and sat down across from each other on the high stools. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell were on the jukebox, singing, Ain't no mountain high enough. Willie listened to them for a minute. No wind, no rain or winter's cold can stop me. Baby, cause you are my goal. What are you thinking, Willie? Elizabeth asked. Marvin and Tammy, he said. Both gone too young. She propped her elbow on her chin and looked at him with probing eyes. Is Valentine's a sad day for you, Willie? The barmaid approached their table. Glenfiddich on the rocks, Elizabeth said. Willie, what's your pleasure? Oh, Jim Beam, straight up, please. Elizabeth seemed to understand that Willie was reluctant to answer her question. She cocked her head and listened to the jukebox for a minute as the song changed. Smiling, she said, We should have known somebody would play my funny valentine. Chet Baker, Willie said with a nod. Hell of a voice. And a badass on the horn as well. But why does he sound so forlorn while singing about being in love? Willie just shrugged and shook his head. He wanted to explain to her about how loving someone can be the saddest thing in the world, but he held his tongue. He hoped that she would never know the answer. The barmaid brought their drinks and Elizabeth paid her. Don't let me forget I owe you one, Willie said. Of course I won't. It means you'll have to drink with me again. She smiled and took a sip of her scotch. He tossed back his bourbon. For a moment he considered going to his car and fetching the broke stem rose. Promise me you will give it to someone special, Ibrahim had said. Elizabeth finished her scotch and gazed at him quizzically. Is there something you want to ask me, Willie? Willie bit his lip. He was afraid to speak. 
All he had to do was ask her. He didn't know how much it would cost. He had money in his pocket, and he could get more, he could get as much as it would take. He had not felt the woman's intimate caress in years. Some nights, he laid awake yearning for it. On many of those nights, he thought of Elizabeth. On many more, though, he thought of someone else. He forced himself to smile, and said, No, Miss Elizabeth. I just wanted to thank you for the drink. She tilted her head and smiled back at him. It looked anything but forced. Happy Valentine's Day, Willie. He stood and picked up his bag. He tipped his fedora to her. And to you. Good night. There was a city trash can under the nearest streetlight. He emptied the last few roses into it. He was really feeling the chill now. He walked quickly back to his car, got in and started it. He turned the heater up all the way, enduring a blast of cold air before it got warmed up. When at last he felt its heat on his face, he closed his eyes and drew in a deep breath. He was weary. His feet and back ached from standing so long on hard concrete. But he had one more stop to make before he went home. The drive to Grand River long-term care only took a few minutes. Willie parked near the front door and shelled and ate the remaining handful of pistachios. He washed them down with the last of his cold coffee, then picked up the rose and got out of the car. Turning up his collar, he briskly walked to the entrance. He pressed the buzzer, then waited, shuffling from one foot to the other. There was movement behind the frosted glass door, then a clinking sound. Jorge, the big knight orderly, opened the door. Evening, Mr. Richardson, he said. I figured we'd see you tonight. Willie stepped inside. Thanks, Jorge. It's colder than a well digger's ass out there. Let me bring you a hot cup of coffee. I would be much obliged, thank you. Jorge went behind the front desk and Willie walked down the long, dim corridor. The door to room 17 was ajar. He pushed it fully open and stepped inside. The only illumination came from a nightlight near the door and the faint glow of medical monitors. Willie didn't need more light. He knew the room as well as he knew his own reflection in the mirror. He approached the bed and the still, silent woman. He didn't bother to look at the monitors. Their moving lines and luminous numbers had not changed in years. Willie set his shopping bag on the rolling night table and picked up the woman's hand. It felt cool to his touch. He gazed at her face. Her complexion was ashy. Her hair was sparse, no more than a few wispy strands. She looked either better nor worse than she had on all the nights before. There was a soft sound behind him. He looked over his shoulder. Jorge crept quietly into the room. He set a styrofoam cup of coffee down on the bed table, then gripped Willie's shoulder and gave it a compassionate squeeze. My shift will be done in just a little bit, he whispered. If you need anything, Jackie will be here. Good night, Mr. Richardson. Good night, Jorge. Thanks for the coffee. Before Jorge reached the door, Willie quietly called his name. Jorge stopped and turned back. Yes, Mr. Richardson? When you get home, tell your woman that you love her. Jorge nodded. I will, Mr. Richardson. When Jorge had gone, Willie leaned down closer to Regina and spoke, his voice little more than a whisper. Mr. Ibrahim, the flower seller, told me that this was the most perfect rose he ever seen. Said it would be a prize winner except its stem is broke. I looked at it, and I seen that he was right. He held the rose close to his face. Even in the dim light, he could see the perfect symmetry in the lush circle of its leaves and the graceful spiral of its heart. I don't care about no broke stem. A rose don't exist to be stuck in no vase, anyhow. A broke stem don't take away its beauty. The doctors had told him that she couldn't hear a word, he said. 
He wanted to believe that it wasn't true, but he knew they were right. He did believe, no matter what anyone told him, that somewhere in her darkness she could feel his love and knew that she was not alone. I love you, Regina, he said. He kissed her forehead and laid the broke stem rose beside her on her pillow. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Visit the other channels for more stories with a different focus. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.